welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. I want to share a message with you. And I've titled this, And Next To. And the reason I say, and next to, according to what version that you have and what phrase they use, the term next to is used anywhere between 15 and 26 times in this one chapter. Talking about, and he or his company repaired this section, and next to them, they did this, and next to them, and it actually, in a little bit, a uh, little bit, I'm going to show you a, a, a picture of a drawing of Nehemiah's old Jerusalem. And, they, and, and the whole chapter is a left-hand tour of all the gates and walls. starting. So it's counterclockwise is what it is, starting with the sheep gate. And they go around the whole city. And next to strength through community. Strength through community. The main idea in this is that God uses strength through community to build and to restore His work in our lives. His work in the church, in the world, and in our lives. One of the things that assures me, and I want to share this today to assure you, is that Whatever we read in God's Word and whatever we experience in God's Word falls under the umbrella of what God is about in this world. It's a theme of the whole Bible, and that's this, that God is at work from the Garden of Eden to the book of Revelation. God is at work to bring into being a people who are under His reign and under His governance. That's what this whole thing is about. So no matter what you experience, no matter what the circumstances are or people that are important to you, what they're going through or how they've disappointed you or the loss in your own life, remember this, that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. We can't always see the good, but everything that God does on this earth right now, everything that God does is to point people and bring about this main theme of the Bible. He is about to bring about a people under his reign and governance in his place. That's what it's all about, praise God. So that takes a big burden off me, wondering where this thing's going to happen, why has this happened, etc. We won't ever know all the answers. Um, we comforted ourselves, the church did, in days gone by by singing, we'll understand it better by and by. How many remember that song? It's still a great thing to live by. We'll understand it better by and by. About 15 years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to buy an old farm in Ashgrove, Missouri. I was out on that property one day, and it caught my eye because a friend of ours lived next to it. And it said for sale. And those properties, just, they just didn't come for sale. 
It was a farm that was located on the Little Sack River, and, and it had been in one family for generations and generations and generations. And, uh, and so I, I inquired about it. Sure enough, it was for sale. I was smitten. It was literally love at first sight. And uh, all I could see was the possibilities. How many know that's a good place to be in life? You really need to be smitten once in a while. And so I started talking with Chris, and and, uh, she, uh, Chris is not one to get smitten. And... uh, you know, the sailing boat, need, the ship needs ballast, you know, to keep it upright. So Chris can be the ballast. But, but I was smitten. And we began to look into it. And uh, I remember I would take some of my friends um, who were maybe from Nebraska or some from North Dakota. And they're from farming backgrounds. And I, I wanted to show them this, look, this is, what we're, this is what we've bought or this is what we're buying. And I'd take this drive way out in the country, and this glorious place was an abandoned farmhouse. The barn was, like, falling in. There was another farmhouse in the back that they used for kitchen or for chickens. And, and I said, and I'd just go on and on. All the fences were torn down, and the fields were overgrown with brush. And I mean, and I'm just going on and on, and all they could see was work. And, uh, oh, uh, that's... Oh, okay, Paul, that's really nice, you know. And, and I drive back to town. They just don't understand, you know. So, but we did. We, we bought it, and we had to tear the house down. And we were literally, we are starting from scratch, it seemed. And, uh, but the first thing we do, we started building, had a wonderful plan, and we're building. This is beautiful. Uh, it was up about 500-some feet on a knoll off the, off the farm road and a long lane, and in a grove of uh, white oak trees that were all over 100 years old. It was really, really very nice. And so we, we built that house. But the first thing we started to do was to become neighbors and neighborly. And that's not an easy thing to do with the Ozark people, I'm telling you. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Everyone waves at you. That does not mean they're friendly. It just means they're acknowledging that you're in their space. That's what that means. And so... Um, there was quite a difference. If you walk down the sidewalk in the city of Springfield, people would say hello. Uh, often in Bel Air, if you say hello to someone, they think, what is this guy, a, a, a killer, or what is he? You know, it's like, you, we don't do that. Uh, but what I found here also in the East Coast is that friendships are genuine, they're real, they're alive, and we thank the Lord for it. But we determined to be friendly with our neighbors, and we reached out to them. And then... They began to be neighborly with us. But we had a hard time breaking into the community. And one day, the old farmer that wanted to lease our property, and we finally said, yes, we'll lease it to you, uh, he introduced us at a restaurant. And when, when James Stanton, whose family had been there since 1870, introduced, I want to introduce you, boys, I want to introduce you to Paul and Chris. They're my friends, and they all had, had uh, overalls on, and they're all smoking and drinking coffee and eating pie. That's what they did. The farmers did. You did your chores and ran into the one restaurant, had a piece of pie and coffee, and then get ready for the, I guess, the two or three o'clock milking. Once he said that, we were accepted as a community because someone had, had included us. And we started to build, and the neighbors then began to favor us, and 
when Mr. Stanton offered to lease us, he said, "What?" He said, "He said you have plans that you. This is good." He said, "I can help you with this." He said, "If you'll give me two or three years, you won't believe this place." And so he tore down. I don't know how much fence that it was. It was all the way around that uh, most of it he had to rebuild, and and the bulldozer came in and got rid of all this brush, and there were thistles and everything else because it had just been it it had been left to go. Uh, it, no one had really cared about it. It's what it boiled down to. And the next thing you know, uh, he started uh, fertilizing and planting, and then he put his cattle on, on part of the property. And within a couple of years, that thing was as green as a farm in Ireland. It was a showcase. And then he, he wanted to, he said, you know, he said, you're building a really nice house. And he said, it's basically, he's saying, it's nicer than anything else in our little neighborhood here. He said, you need a proper entrance gate. And so uh, he built a proper entrance gate. He welded up this white pipe. We painted it white, and, and it sort of was big, and it led, led on up the driveway. And what I learned from that is that things can be restored. Things can be restored, and there's strength in community. Last week, we looked at Nehemiah that you can't do it alone. He needed the favor of the king, and he needed the favor of God. And then he needed the favor of the demoralized leaders of Jerusalem. And today, God has great plans for his church, and God has great plans for your life. No matter where you are, God is in the business of plans, and if we come together as a community, we will have the blessing of God, and God can build or restore what has been taken away in your life. I want to give you, uh, later on, I'm going to define what restore means, what it meant in the Hebrew, in the Bible, in this particular thing. I think it's key to understanding part of this. But we can do more together than we can do alone. We have a slide right now of a couple of horses. I want, us to, want you to view this. How many know what these horses are? Clydesdales. I won't ask you how you know that or what commercial on TV you all saw that from, but they're Clydesdales. A Clydesdale, what they say, that a pulling horse can pull about equal its own weight. They can grow to about 2,000 pounds. They can pull 2,000 pounds. Under certain conditions, they can pull even more. It depends on how much friction and on this, whatever the sled or whatever they're doing, but up to two, two times as more, which would be 4,000 pounds. But together, together, those two horses, you would expect that they could pull 8,000 pounds together. They have pulling contests, and I've been to them. They're, they are a sight to behold, these massive animals. Their muscles are so big, and they're, they live to pull. They, and man, when, they, when the, when the uh, person that uh, has the reins, when he, he might yell, uh, gee, or ha, that's to the left or to right, whatever command he gives them, they hit those harnesses and the traces, they hit those things, the muscles bulge out, their back, they bow, they get down low to the ground and their shoulders just pop out and they start pulling together. And you would think that they could pull 8,000 pounds, but what I've read, and you can, you can look this up, they can pull not 8,000 pounds, but some have 17,000 pounds to 24,000 pounds under the right conditions. But what we know is this, that together 
we can do not only the same as one plus one, but we can do exponentially more together than what we can do alone. And when God is in the business of building something and or repairing something, we can do far more through community than we can ever do alone. There's strength in community as we commit ourselves to being next to and we're one in a long line or a chain of people that have put our shoulders to the speak to the plow. And I want to share this in, in uh, there's four things I want to share this morning with you to encourage you. This is how it works. Number one is community committed to godly success and strength. Community committed to godly success and strength. Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18 sets the stage for this. You remember from last week that Nehemiah at nighttime, he had gone out and he took an assessment of the city. And he, he wanted to do it by himself. And I believe there are times as a leader that you need to assess things yourself. There's times when you need to look at it without the voices of negativity saying, that we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this, or without those that are overly optimistic that say, well, this is a piece of cake, it's, it's easy, it's going to happen. I have found in the work of the Lord there's no substitute for work in the work of the Lord. How many understand what I'm saying? There's no substitute. There are no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. None. There are times that God gives grace and times that God gives a miracle, God brings His favor, but there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. And so Nehemiah had gone out alone with his animal, the mule, and he is going around about a third of the city to get an assessment of what it was, what it was all about. And he came back and he gathered the leaders of this demoralized city together and he talked with them, and this is what he said. Then I said to them, Nehemiah uh, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, you see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. I just want to say this, that if you're a leader, there, uh, don't specialize in happy talk. Specialize in talk that just says, paints the picture. People want to know. You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. That's a key word. They were doing it because this is Jerusalem, the city of David, the city that the whole earth, if you read the Psalms, the position that Jerusalem would be in, that God had for Jerusalem, that the whole earth would come to it. And he said, it's in it. we're in a bad way. We need to do this so we'll no longer be a reproach. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. What wonderful words. Let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. One of the versions says this, and I really like it. It says, then they began to work with vigor. I like being around people who work with vigor. How about you? There, I do not like being around. I don't like checking into a motel when the, when the attendant's on their cell phone. Oh, 
Mr. Interruption, what did you say? No. I want someone with vigor. Uh, when I go into a grocery store, if I can't find something, and there's a lot of times I'll go in and, and there's not a lot of people there, and uh, so the cash registers are empty and they have uh, cashiers that are sent at the end of the, you know, at the, sort of at the end of the thing, and, and their light's on, and if you come near, they say, uh, you can come in my line. I really, I like that, you know. But I, what I don't like is I'm in a place, I can't find it, and there's all these folks that are there, and I'll go up and say, you know, I can't find something. Could, would you tell me where such and such is? I, I, I can't tell you what this does to me. They'll say, I have no clue. In other words, that's not my job. So um, I can't let that go. I can't move on. So I say, oh, okay. Well, who do you think would have a clue in the store? <laughs> you're an employee there. You're paid. That's unchristian if you're saying that, by the way. That's not what Jesus would do. I could really go off on this. Who would you say, oh, well, would you mind walking me to them, you know? And uh, I like it when people are helpful. How about you? So I love it, and there's strength in community when we work together with vigor towards what God has called us to do. Community that is committed to godly success and strength. God uses vision. He uses community, and he uses work in our lives. He uses people who are committed as part of the ownership. They said, we will arise and build regardless of the opposition. And I want to encourage you this morning to be an owner rather than a consumer. I want to encourage you that as you look for a church, and if, if you're here this morning and you might be looking for a church, I'm so I'm very thankful that you're here this morning. I'm not going to preach at you, but I want to preach to everyone that's here, myself included, that when once you find we find a community that we are part of, be committed to that and become an owner in that community, not just a consumer. In other words, there's, you know, we are used to getting phone calls and at church, what do you do? What are your services like? What are this? What's that? What kind of songs you sing? You know, we're more than happy to answer that. But you know, there are sometimes as a pastor, I want to say to folks, and what do you bring to church? Hey, we're not ShopRite in competition with Wegmans. What do you bring? It's called the work of the Lord. How many, okay, I better go on from this. All right. But God will give us success. When we're committed as a community to vision, work, and to one another. Grace is committed to God's work. And I want to ask you a question. Are you committed to the community of grace? Or are you here as a consumer? I find that consumers, consumers are not with what God is doing for the long haul. But if you're committed to God's work, 
through a local community of faith that God will commit to you to do something in your life. How many say amen? Yes. The second thing I want to share is that God, this is how it works, is that he uses a community committed to repair and to the word next to. I'm going to read uh, two scriptures that, um, that illustrate this. And moreover, this is Nehemiah 5 and 27. And there's two things that are remarkable about this, and it's not the name Tekoites, but next to him the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. After them, the Tekoites repaired another section in front of the great projecting, projecting tower and as far as the wall of Ophel. Now, the two things that are remarkable, uh, one is that the Tekoites, as a rule, the bread and butter people of the, the tribe, of the Tekoite family or tribe, if you would, um, they not only did the work and they're next to somebody and then someone's next to them, but they also took on another section. They did more than they had to do. That was, that's marvelous. And, and uh, that, that just, it's marvelous when we are generous to that point, doing above and beyond. But the second thing that was remarkable is that their leaders, their leaders of the Tekoites, they, they did not support the work of the leaders of the city of Jerusalem. So they were critical. They were in opposition. They said, no, nah, we're not doing this. It's not going to work. Or they might have said, because we're, we're a leader in this family, this is beneath us. It's called petty pride, that we're above the work of the Lord. One of the things as interns, if you come as an intern at Grace, uh, my purpose is to introduce our interns to the work of the Lord that no one is above anything in God's work. And so we've had some marvelous interns. They're probably glad to go back to school. Uh, where's Josh? Oh, Josh is here. There you go, yeah. yeah. But Josh, this, this summer, uh, has, he's done such a good job. And he led on Wednesday night, and he's leading worship every other Sunday for Crossroads, and Pastor Troy said, oh my goodness, he is so good. And, and so what we had Josh do, uh, he led a youth group on Wednesday night, and then Thursday we let him ramp it up even more with spiritual things. He's cleaning out the, the sheds and filling the dumpsters. I mean, cobwebs, snakeskin, mice droppings, all that, all right? And then if that wasn't enough, then Pastor Troy asked him to help him move a woman yesterday, and so Josh did that. You'll be glad to go. Homework's going to be a breeze once you get back to school. All right. But I want all of our interns to know, and I want all of us to know that no one should be above anything when it comes to the work of the Lord. No one is too good to do what needs to be done. And then they were, they were committed to repair. I want to show right now a slide of uh, Nehemiah's Jerusalem. Would you give me that? 
Thank you, Chris. I'll use this. I hope you have good eyesight or hearing, and I'll, I'm not going to go through all of these gates. But the purpose of this, and the ones that you can't see are up at the top is the sheep gate, and the account of Nehemiah goes counterclockwise. It's called a left-handed tour. It goes in order. It starts there, and it goes all the way around, all the way around, and then comes back this way. But what Nehemiah was doing was... The sheep gate, they started there, and the priests did that, because the sheep gate was where the sheep would come through that were going to be sacrificed in the temple. And it was interesting, this was a remarkable feat of leadership and organization, and they did it often by affinity. And so they started here, but if you'll notice the gates that were there, there's the the old gate, and if you come down, there's several gates that are there. There's the valley gate. Uh, there's towers that stuck out. Uh, they mentioned some of the houses. This is the champion's house. And in the, the, the champion's house, there was a gate that was near there and a wall. And the champion's house was uh, sort of like the museum or the, the sports hall of fame. And King David was in there. And in Hebrews chapter 11, remember that some call that the Hall of Fame of Faith, if you read that, you know. And, and, uh, um, and so they were used to honoring those great champions of the faith. And then if you'd come down uh, further, down in here uh, is the dung gate. So that, we didn't want to show that in church, I guess, so that's not on the slide. So, but that's where you know what they carried out all the dung and all the trash and all the refuge. But where they carried that then was out here in the Valley of Gehenna. How many know what that was, what, what that is? That's the burning, sort of the smoggy, smoke-filled town dump, city dump. And, and uh, so that was called the Dung Gate. And then, uh, then we had, uh, there was David's tomb. And then there was the Water, water Gate where the water supply came in, and there were several others. They had Fish Gate, just several of the gates of the city. God has committed and calls us to be committed to, to repairing and restoring and also maintaining the gates of the city, gates of this city right here, this, this place. And then beyond that, the community we live in. And... Repair means to restore to function. In the body of Christ, it's important that we have, that we maintain, I call that stake, stake and sizzle. There's stake and then there's sizzle. We need stake and we need sizzle. New projects are the sizzle. They're both needed. But the interesting use of the word repair here means to restore to function, not necessarily restore exactly the way it was. And I want to encourage you this morning, when you walk through a time of loss, and it can even be deep loss, that, there's, that God wants to restore you and that area of your life to the function that that area once had, but it, in all likelihood will not be the same form. How many follow what I'm saying? 
What I mean by that is this. Sometimes when we experience loss, we say we want it exactly the way it once was. We lose a relationship, and, or we lose a best friend, or we lose a, a girlfriend, or whatever in the world. We, we lose, and we become demoralized, and we want something to be and life to be exactly the way it once was. I don't want to bust your balloon, but I really do want to bust your balloon, that God's not called us to life exactly the way it once was. How many know that? But God's will is for us to be restored to the function so the joy of the Lord and that gate in our life can be repaired and that wall can be repaired again. My, uh, my sister-in-law, Ellen, and my brother, Phil, were the, uh, up at the Thousand Islands, in the Saint, I think it's St. Lawrence Seaway, a couple of weeks ago, and they went to an, an island, and there's Humboldt Castle. I believe it's Humboldt Castle, the Bolt Castle. And some of you might have heard of this, but this, this multi-gazillionaire um, built this. He married a bride, and he wanted to build a beautiful mansion for her, and it had 120 rooms. And he spared no expense, just gorgeous, and owned the island. As I got into it, and the, the roof was on, and the outside was done, and there headed towards completion, his wife died. And he sent a telegram to all the workers and said, stop work, my wife has died, go home. And the building lay in a state of disrepair for decades. And then it was turned over, my understanding is the Lifesaver Candy Company. But now, and what happened was that campers and whomever would come in and the place was just filled with graffiti. Have you ever, how many have ever walked in an abandoned house? The windows busted out. You know what I'm saying? Just the floor from the weather and the smell and birds and things. It just, it, it, just it, it doesn't feel good at all. But now it's restored to part of the way. They have a hundred weddings there a year and the downstairs is absolutely gorgeous. But it's being, it's being restored, and the function to bring joy to people's life is now bringing joy to more than just one person, but to many, 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 many people go to see that. And I want to encourage you in our loss not to say, God, I'll only be happy if you restore things just the way they were at one time. God's plan is to restore the function, but not the form exactly the way it was. And then next to, as I mentioned, was, was they were connected to each other and they were committed to each other. The surest way to lifelong blessing is to be committed to the next two, to one another in the church and to the maintenance, the repair, and the new work that God has in a church, the new work that God has for you. The third thing I want to share is that God uses community consecrated to, the, to God's work. Nehemiah 3, 1 and 2. Then Eliashib the high priest arose with his brothers, the priest, and built the sheep gate. And they consecrated and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the tower of the hundred and the tower of Hananel. 
Next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakor, the son of Imri, built. And the, it's a whole chapter of saying, and next to, and next to. But everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. Whether well, it's priests. Notice the list. The perfumers and the goldsmiths. What in the world were, what in the world were the jewelers and the goldsmiths and the per perfumers? What were they doing up on the wall rebuilding that thing? I don't know, but they were there, and they wanted to be part of it. The priests led the way, but there are groups of all kind, but they had shared enthusiasm and commitment to finish and commitment to each other. The Bible names family units that took the Goites. They took responsibility for a section. There were whole towns that were affected by Jerusalem, and they would take responsibility for a gate and for a section. There were crafts and trades and the temple servants and district officers and even the daughters of one whole family tribe. It mentions them specifically, and they built the wall together. Can someone say amen? amen? Yeah, praise God. Don't tell a woman what they can't do. Don't tell, yeah, don't do that. God has no limits. He's no respecters of person. I want to show a slide right now of the barrel the minimum thing. A barrel's capacity is determined by the lowest stave. A barrel, a barrel has staves. You can see these right here. And these are quality characteristics. They're the gates of the city. They're the gates of the church. Their work, their vision, their unity, their community, their being connected to each other, their prayer. There's those things, the giving, the sacrifice. They determine to all work together what the service, attendance, or the work of God could be. The minimum factor, though, wherever we say that gate's not important, or that wall's not important, the work of God is only contained to that particular spot. How many understand that? And what God uses is people who are committed to this. This was a community that was consecrated to God's work. Everyone was needed. My dad said to me, when I started in ministry, one of the most important things I've ever heard, he said, son, everywhere you go, you have something for that church. But that church has something for you. It's important that our hearts are tender in the work of the Lord. Don't sit in the seat of the scoffer. Don't sit in the seat of the know-it-all that you know better than everyone else. Don't be there because that's an impenetrable shield that God will not penetrate, but he will break. There's the difference. And then they consecrated the work. And they consecrated the work because it was big stuff. It was big stuff. Who'd have thought that Rebuilding the, the dung gate could be big stuff. But what would the city be if they didn't have the dung gate? What would the city be if they didn't have the water gate or the sheep gate? Consecrate. Consecrate it to the Lord. God will help us. God will help you. Because it's big stuff. I know it's a grind. I know ministries are grind, but it's all big stuff. Those kids that come in 
They go to youth camp and kids camp. That's big stuff. It's really big stuff. I have two grandchildren that are going to Guppy Gulch this Tuesday. We've consecrated them to the Lord. That's big stuff. It's big stuff. We said we're going to pay for it. That's not a big deal to us. But it's such a big deal to us that we'll pay for it. We're going to make a way. It's big stuff. And what God's called us to do and what God's called you to do, that's big stuff. Consecrate it to the Lord and the Lord will come alongside of us. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is God uses a community that's committed to the next generation. Nehemiah 3.4, there's a word that that's picked out here, one guy, and next to them, Merimoth. <laughs> Sounds like some type of a moth, doesn't it? And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakos, made repairs. That's all we're going to read. That's all you need to know. Merimoth was part of Ezra's administration of 50-some years ago. And they rebuilt the temple. That and he could have said, that's enough for my generation. Now this guy's an old man. And he's here. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uniah, made repairs. It's responsibility for the next generation. It's a responsibility to see the work of God finished in our lifetime and to make preparations for those that will go on beyond us. Even when we're not here, God uses that. We all owe a debt to those behind us, and we have a responsibility to the next generation. And so I say, pass the trowel. Give me the trowel. Give me the trowel. We're grandparents. We've raised our kids. But now it's our grandchildren. Grandparents are wonderful things. As you know, you can... Man, you can have them. They can visit with you. When they cry and their diapers are dirty, you know, you, you only have to change it once. By then, the parents are back from their date night, and then, the, then they go off of them again. They're wonderful things. But as grandparents, we're committed to them, do everything we can. And sometimes life takes a turn, and you're sort of a hybrid grandparent and a parent. But it's big stuff, and we consecrate it to the Lord. And I want to thank you, Grace Assembly of God, for being committed to the next generation. It's not just about us. I want to say thank you to Leo and Maxine Bear. I want to say thank you. She said, Pastor, I can't teach a Sunday school class anymore. I can't do this. But they don't want to miss a church service either. They want to be here. They've committed to Gen Now, to the next generation, to that building. They don't have any kids and they don't have any grandkids that go here. But they're committed to it. There's strength that comes through community. Not only strength that God uses, but strength that God brings in our life. Praise His name. Amen. Praise God. So once again, I say, Lord, pass the trowel. Pass the trowel. Give it to me. Let's do as much as we can while we can. Let's do it right. Let us live in the favor and the blessing of God for our lives. Praise His name. Praise God. Amen.